0: Welcome back to A Magical Life. I'm your host, Magic Barclay. Today, James Hepner joins us. James likes to think of himself as an artist of experience. His passion is to create transformational experiences for himself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live fully alive. James is a results coach and founder of Weekly Wins and Losses podcast and weekly global community call. He helps people in their journey to embrace all of life, both the wins and the losses, equally. James helps you firmly establish the mental and physical courage needed to do difficult things while guiding you to activate your ability to leverage the good news that lies at the heart of both a win and a loss. People from around the world find James when their way of handling losses just no longer works and when leaving 50% of life on the table is no longer an option. James's current client list ranges from well-known professionals and executives to average ordinary humans, both of which are deeply hungry and curious towards the worthy work of breaking into and establishing a brand new dimension of life. Wow, welcome James.
1: Thank you for having me on, and it was an honor uh, to be invited onto your show. And by the way, your name, Magic, that's spectacular. So let's see what we can create together.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Now, look, James, I always ask my guests the same three questions, and everyone gives me such a different answer. It's kind of amazing how diverse Mm. people are. So here's your first one. What can your expertise do to accelerate health? Now, not just physical health, but also emotional and spiritual health.
1: Mm. What can my expertise do? That's fascinating. Some people they ask me, James, are you an expert at anything? And <laughs> you know, to be completely honest, in another part of my life journey, not at present, but over a decade ago, I would have said well, I'm an expert here, there, and a few places. And <laughs> so I have learned in life, humbleness is probably the ultimate state of leadership. But you know, if you ask that question, I I would say that uh, in one of the things specifically, what I think about, you know, mental and physical health. You know, gosh, we live inside of our life. We don't live inside of another person's life. And so inner acceptance. And and I think so often uh, acceptance is just a word and it's it's a catchphrase, but I think beneath acceptance lies tolerance. And so if we cannot build the inner musculature to tolerate in a joyful way what we observe, I think there's a problem. And uh, and so to accept is to tolerate and to enjoy tolerating and to, you know, unfold in real ways and to observe what that looks like and then to say, wow, that was in there, (laughs) you know? And so I think to get playful with the presence that we actually all are instead of being so harsh. And of course, harshness leads to shaming and blaming, which never tends to work. So yeah, my work tends to have a bend towards a whole bunch of inner work and inner work, of course. Is the thing and is the power that creates anything from the external, especially if it's if it's if it's going to be sustainable, it's got to come from within. So thanks. That was a great question.
0: Talk about wealth here. Now people think that's just the financial wealth, but you know, we miss the personal and emotional wealth, kind of the personal growth, I guess. So Mm. what are your top three tips to creating wealth?
1: Mm -hmm. Very simply, I would say when you align with the foundation of life, life supports more of life. At current, I'm looking at your logo. It's a hand, and then there's some sprouts coming from it. Life supporting life. And so you must be about regeneration. You must participate with the ecosystem of regeneration. So that's number one. And so that's like you say, wealth, physical, mental, financial, whatever it ends up being. The next piece that I would say is very important, and that is we must have a leaning towards that life owes us nothing. When life owes us nothing, we end up realizing we are wealthy because wealth is abundant. It's everywhere. It's not a bank account. Wealth, often people will look at it as a sometime down the road experience. However, arrival happens at birth. And the next one, when I think wealth, wealth is a state of mind. So there's a lot of state of mind here, but the concept is, and I repeat these things to myself every day. I've created these things, and that is nothing traps me, everything frees me. So, wealth is a decision. And when something happens in your life, you get to participate with it, and that is to utilize it, or you get to be about trying to eliminate. And of course, when we try to eliminate things in life that are present, it seems not to work very well. If we try to flee our presence, it just seems not to bode well for us or anybody else around us. So,
0: I just want to sit with that comment for a minute. About mm. decisions. I think people in general, I think we've kind of shied away from making decisions and mm. really taking ownership and leadership of the direction of our lives. Why mm. do you think that is?
1: Gosh, that's a great question. I think, just in my opinion, I think humanity, we all understand that without decision, nothing happens. The only thing is there's a wide divide between decisive decision and decision. Decision is just simply saying, well, I'm going to decide to do something about this. But a decisive one is one that brings a decision into action. And a decisive decision is a non-negotiable decision. A decision that isn't decisive lacks that absoluteness. And absoluteness, not to say we're going to plow Things down and plow people or self or trauma is over because we have to be gracious. We have to lean in. We got to, you know, we got to be sensible about things, but I think ultimately, I think we as humans, and I don't think that we mean to sidestep reality or fast track too quickly. I think most of us value that if we get to be about, and and, sorry, if we get to be a, a part of something. Participate with it. We all know that that brings meaning and value, but I think there's an anxious striving in society, and it's it's kind of I at least have observed. It seems like there's an undertow, and the anxious striving, you know, supports people away from being present, and so they want things quicker than maybe what is there. They fear they're not progressing fast enough, and so I think I think a lot of it has to do with just fearing that we're not again we're not progressing fast enough and i got a little you know a little tale like one of the people that come to mind and i i study many people but the one group of people that i think are pretty interesting the jewish people the jewish people you know when it comes to sabbath the sabbath is an act of rejection for them <laughs> it's not an act of restriction and so i think oftentimes see we've i think we've mellowed down the importance and the power of decision because a lot of I think North Americans' variety of decisions comes through the lens of well, I probably should decide on this, and so I should restrict myself away from certain things and so, for example, when it comes to you know Sabbath, you know I don't have a leaning towards whether to work on a Sabbath is good or not. I just think, for example, Western society, if we think of secular Christianity in in North America, what does that look like? I mean you know they have a Sabbath too, but if it's restriction, what, is, what does the human want to do? The human wants to not do that. So if you say, I can't do something, the human typically says, well, now I want to do it. But the Jewish people, when they were in slavery and they finally were freed from that, they made a pact that for them, not working on the Sabbath, so whatever that looks like, like a six in one rhythm, you just unplug for a bit. when you do that, um, that is our decision, our decisive decision to wrap around the idea that we don't need to consume or create more so we can consume more. So I think, I mean, I'm going in a few different directions, but I think a lot of it has to do with fearing that we're not getting far enough and then fearing we're not getting far enough is hard baked into production and we fear we're not producing enough so we can't consume enough. So I think it's a bit of a gluttonous <laughs> concept, honestly.
0: Interesting answer. James, we talk here about weight loss as well. This is our final standard question before we get into being fully alive. And yeah. I guess it kind of leads into being fully alive because many of us live our lives fearing weight or trying to change weight. So have yeah. you ever battled with your weight? If so, what was the trigger to losing it? And what can you offer the listeners who may be on this journey and, you know, it's just stopping people being fully alive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic way of languaging uh, the question. And I like how you add a few more nuance than just simple weight loss. Right? <laughs> There's something behind the weight loss. Gosh, you know, I think, Magic, you, you say to anyone, including you say to your own body, I'm going to lose weight. The first thing the body wants to do when, when it hears lose, <laughs> it thinks, no, I don't, I don't think I want to lose it, You know, it fears that. And so there was a season in my life when I gained probably 30 pounds and didn't really know what the problem was. And so, of course, I continued along the lines of consuming supplements from a certain company, consuming their meal replacements, and not knowing what was behind it all. And what was interesting is in a different season, this company really actually helped me lose weight, but now I was gaining weight. I couldn't figure out what the problem was. And one day my wife comes home and she says to me, and we come from a heritage where there was a lot of gravies made with creams and different things. And then she says, you know, I think we're going to bring some fats back into our diet. (laughs) And I said, oh baby, that's, that's not what we want. Like I have got too much of that. (laughs) And uh, so she introduced me to this individual and I, I um, began to, some quality fats grass fed butter, for example, grass fed grass, finished butter and some healthy oils. And lo and behold, my energy just skyrocketed, and uh, of course, it's on the concept of living fully alive, and I can't think of anything other than if if there's not an energetic flow through our veins, uh, we tend to question how fully we're capturing the moment. And so, not to be fearful of when we don't have energy, that that we won't you know be able to grab all of what is here for us. <laughs> the word "grab" is you know is interesting, but but yeah, no, I absolute. So I. Of course, when I started ingesting fat, to be honest, I lost 35 pounds, and I was so invigorated. I, I at that point in time captured. And I chose a workout modality, and it was really simple. Like it's super, super. So I'm a people. They they call me the self help hacker, and part of that is because I also love biohacking. And so in self help, I, I you know we we get real quick down to the base uh, and foundational note of, of why you do what you do, and so when you can find the master switch and flip it, you get real quick on results. And so to stay the least. So though I lost 35 pounds of fat, I have now regained 40 pounds, but it's not fat. It's something different. So my body looks a little different. I feel it's not about the look. I just feel great. And, and my passion in health is not for some significant purpose for appeal. Uh, it is so that, you know, I have the stamina, I have the state to show up when I most needed. And I got two teenage boys, so they they really enjoy running around and playing football and frisbee and all kinds of fun things. so
0: I really want to talk about what it is that you do with your clients, and can you just explain what fully alive looks like?
1: Well, as the listeners will probably pick up by now, my gender so I just I will classify myself as male, and I married a female and my journey was like, I think for most people who show up primarily in their masculine state, so you can be female and also show up in masculine state. And I also have feminine in me because we, as a specific sex, we have all the sexes within us. So I can choose to, to, to flow within the feminine presence or the masculine. And let me just say it like this. I think to some degree, we all crave and hunger to have our life mean something for us to have purpose. And often the masculine presence, the first half of life, is to produce and to bring and to provide. And at least in proverbial term, that's, that, that was how I saw my role. And when, when primarily that no longer worked, and I gained most of my value through that. I mean, let's be honest, in 2008 rolled around and the, and the real estate crisis, um, you know was upon us. I was in the real estate sector. I owned a few companies in that industry. Of course, what I'm going to be able to bring home is a little different. And I began to question my value. And I remember feeling things like, well, I'm losing now, or I'm not gaining what I thought I was going to gain. And there was a lot more of the perception and also real losses than gains and wins. And to be totally frank, I checked out of life. For two and a half years, I slept. I found a way successfully. I don't know how, but I slept 18 and a half hours a day. I shouldn't say I don't know how. I consumed a whole bunch of melatonin and gravel, and that was part one of my story. I now live in part two. So for the last decade, uh, I've had an insatiable love with life, and to be frank, I actually enjoy being on living ground. <laughs> on living ground, which is to feel it all and enjoy it all and experience it all, instead of trying to eliminate. So, what kept me in that you know dystopic state for so long, for two and a half years, was trying to eliminate. Because I was trying to stay in my masculine element, not to feel, appointing what I was feeling as the problem. Perhaps I was the problem. And so let's say it like this, I, during during that season and when I erupted from that season and when I transferred into where I currently am, as I said, I have an insatiable love of life, not in a, you know, an, oh I got it all figured out state, but it's just, I really, really, really genuinely enjoy being able to participate with everything that's in front of me and not choosing preference. And not just say I want the things that I have preference for, but I also want the things I don't have preference for. And the reason that I want those things in my life is I am not nature. I am not God. I'm not universe. I am part of, and, and I have to find a way and have the courage to say, I must harmonize around nature. I must harmonize around something bigger. I am not the thing. I'm not ultimately the thing. And so during that season, when I transitioned from one way of living, meaning mostly external I began to build a relationship with the intrinsic parts of myself. And I lean heavily on just observing my wife and her feminine element. And to be totally honest, listeners, if you care to, at some point in time, either during this talk or after, go online and just type in, go to the Google or whatever search engine you're on and type in emotional wheel and print it off and ask yourself the question, which of these emotions do I feel frequently? And what what we find in 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 whether it's North America or around the world, I have clients from, from all over the uh, you know planet, to be honest, what we find, and this is consistent, I find with all my people that there's a limited scope and range of emotion. And to the exact degree that you can feel emotion is to the degree that you're going to feel life. Like, think about it. Somebody who gets cremated or buried or whatever the case is, they're no longer emotionally here with us. They can't feel. So if somebody can't feel, we call them brain dead, or we have these labels for them. And so- the the idea that you want to get behind is when you observe that emotional wheel and you take a pen and you circle the emotions that you feel and you realize which emotions you don't feel. And t- typically there's like perhaps, you know, eight to 10 categories. Most people want to feel or say they feel joy and perhaps a little sadness. And so it's maybe two or three of the categories that they have active time of non-anxiety inside of, or even anxiety is a feeling. So some people say like, well, I have an anxiety, but I want to get away from it. Really anxiety is what uncertainty actually is. So don't get me wrong. If we stay stuck in an emotion, that's a problem. But every emotion, the purpose behind it is to prime us to take proper action for the next movement. So living fully alive for me, uh, let's just say it like this. When I, when I. Exited from part one of the story about suffering and into where I currently live, I remember thinking one day, if I would consider most people, the way I observe, and my dad was a pastor of a mega church. So he would often visit the, the people who were dying. And he would, you know, he'd come back and, and, and you know, after he'd sat with them, you know, at their bedside and then they passed on, he would say things like, Oh, this human had his moment. And I remember thinking, what does that mean? And as I studied it more and as I talked with him about things, he said, you know what? I think they I think they just lived. I think they just finally woke up. Like life looks like this. And so consider, you know, when somebody passes away, they'll often say things like, Oh, I love you so much. And I wish I would have spent more time with you, and maybe perhaps not worked as much, or different things. And what's interesting is in that moment, they begin to realize running from death doesn't work. Running away from the death Or the idea that things aren't going to work out exactly as I thought. How most of us live life, to be honest. like We create an idea, for example. We're going to get married or start a business or whatever we're doing. And we don't realize that the inevitability of this thing dying. Or the concept of it turning out exactly the way we thought. It never happens. So we literally need to do and practice having a funeral. For the concept of how will it go. It doesn't turn out the same way. And I think what I'm trying to say here is building a muscle towards when it doesn't work out, building that early and often in our life. And we have invitations to do that everywhere. Because like I said, anything you plan out, no matter how strategic and laser pointed you get, it'll never be exactly the way you thought. And so to build a muscle for it now means that you actually begin to realize, I'm feeling all these things. And instead of saying, I don't want to feel them, well, what does it help doing that? If you say you don't want to feel it, you're just probably going to feel it more. You're going to have to create more willpower. And the more willpower you draw down, the sooner you're going to feel exhausted. You have spear power, or you have this this persona, this 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 willpower, like to like willfully just plow through, has to give rise to another layer of regeneration that's there to support you. And so, living fully alive for me is simply to say. And there's many things, but what comes to heart for me right now, what I, what I hear myself care about most is that we develop a relationship and a healthy relationship with all emotions because they're actually all helpful. You know, it's time, you know, it's a time to love and a time to hate. It's not either or, it's both and. So while we love something, we simultaneously don't like another thing. And people say, well, if it's, you know, love is great, but hate is dangerous. Well, both can be dangerous. You can weaponize both. If you get stuck in love, Just like love, 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 meaning all I do, all I do, all I do is just make sure you're okay. Well, love isn't like that. Love is to say, um, what's happening inside of me now? Am I giving and receiving to myself at the exact same time? Am I feeling love? And love is when it happens, when receiving and giving comes together. And even when it comes to hate, like, what do I hate? Like, if you don't actually hate something, you're probably not going to take action. You're just going to lay in your creature comforts. So again, hate is not a state of being. Hate is an emotion we feel for a moment so that it primes us to take the next proper action. So I don't know if that answers your question, but living fully alive to me is just like feeling everything and utilizing everything because nothing is wasted on this earth. Nothing. But we get to decide if something will be wasted.
0: I think we also shy away from some of those feelings that maybe feel uncomfortable. You know, we try to make everything convenient. We try to make everything happy and wholesome and feeling great. And we've kind of, as a human race, my observation anyway, is that we don't want to feel the uncomfortable side. You know, we don't want to be cold, so we put the heater on. We don't want to be hot, so we put the air conditioner on. We don't want to have a difficult conversation, so we avoid it. We avoid the confrontation. Uh, you know, we just try to keep ourselves just right. And to me, that's not truly living. You have to have,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the polarization. You have to have the icky feeling about something
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the difficult conversations.
1: I love that. Something that's just stirring inside of me when you say we don't want. It's so interesting. We're living. And because we're here, you'd argue because people are not just checking out. That we, that we actually are admitting by default, by how we're showing up that we want to be here. So if we want to be here, then it's kind of silly to think that we wouldn't want to do what life is. Life is breathing in and breathing out. When you breathe in, you take it in. And when you breathe out, you let it go. Every time you breathe out, you're dying to something. Your cells are never staying the same. I'm not the same person who I was 15 minutes ago. There's certain cells that have died, certain cells that have started coming to life. So the rhythm of life, harmonizing with life, the reality and the truth. I mean, I got to be careful when I say truth, but I, I do believe this is universal truth. It's that there's a life-death cycle and it isn't which one's better, which one is good and which one do I want more than the other. It's like actually the only way that I can actually see clearly what's here and that's the first step see clearly what's here is if i say well the reality is that i breathe in i take in and then i let go and then so certain things die like they go out and then i take it in again and so each moment we get to gasp that we get to participate with not oh i want less life or less death so i can have more life life is impossible to your point unless there's polarity polarity Creates the synergy that makes anything come alive. Think about, you know, people often say, well, I want to, you know, be on ground that isn't shaking. Actually, without things moving, it's dead. If things stop vibrating, it's dead. There's just nothing there.
0: Now, you talk about wins and losses, and we've kind of touched on that. To feel loss is not necessarily negative. We've kind of touched on that. What is it about wins and losses? the I guess the balance of things that's so important to your clients why why are they seeking to embrace wins and losses you
1: know magic I think you get it because I can hear in how you language the question I think you get it <laughs> you know I'd say my my son's my, my, my second son he's 15 now Harrison he has high functioning autism and his second name is gray and so often we say we want either black or white you know, the human puts and induces him or herself or itself into deep suffering, learned helpless behaviors when it is forced to decide which one's better. Is this one better than the other? You know, an animal, for example, a dog only ever when observing, when looking around is looking for where's the greater safety or where's the greater danger. That's all that it's doing constantly when it's looking around. You and I as humans, we can go into another state, which often happens. Like I'm just staring straight ahead and there's a set of doors in front of me. I'm not thinking about, are the doors safe or are they dangerous? I'm just observing the doors. And so what's fascinating, it, and by the way, the reason that I coined it wins and losses, this is what the survival self is constantly analyzing. Am I winning or am I losing? Is this good? Is this bad? That's what the survival state is doing. Now, Granted, we have to go beyond survival state at some point in time and quite quickly, but we first have to reckon what a survival state is doing to finally give herself the opportunity to see something other than just making a choice away from some perceived danger or towards a perceived place of, of euphoric bliss. So in the center, in the middle of these two things, lies gray. People say, what? So we're going to just feel nothing, just feel like not feel the loss, not feel the win. Actually, it's opposite. We actually want to feel the deep win. We want to feel the deep loss. Because the deeper we feel things, the more we can connect with what's going on. Unless we feel it, we don't learn lessons. Unless we feel it, we don't pick up on nuance. Unless we feel it, that affects our empathetic state, not only towards ourselves but when other people experience things. Imagine this, if you feel nothing and somebody says, this is a big deal. And you say, no, it's just, it's really nothing. It's just, you know, it's just kind of in the middle. It's nothing. What we're talking about the middle here is a sacred ground where instead of you're just like peacefully floating away in some utopic <laughs> storyline or in the cloud somewhere, which by the way, if that's what people are interested in and have fun, that's just not me. Uh, for me, peace is from within. Instead of peace being out there somewhere, like, wouldn't it be nice if I could take a vacation or that's external peace. Internal peace comes for me in my definition and the reason that my people want it as, as much as they do is, firstly, you, you mentioned it earlier, and that is when onboarding losses, the way that they're, that they're currently doing it isn't working, out. it's no longer an option, meaning they've mined so much of the wins and they're looking for more success externally everywhere, even internally everywhere on the outside of them and what they're not realizing it's like acres of diamonds right in front of them. And so invariably people that find me are just sick and tired of trying to sedate themselves and provide themselves the illusionary wink <laughs> that that perhaps if we just keep doing the same thing and people invariably get tired. They just say we you know now we need to be in a state of being. Being is a little different than just doing. The masculine presence brings things and does. The feminine presence is a receiver and is a creator. Things and so we want to develop both of these, but to the point on, you know, bringing these things together, bringing it together, the way that we look at peace from the inside is ultimate peace is when we have electrifying peace. So it's not like we're just like closing your eyes and we're just like gone. Like I was on a podcast a little while ago with this girl who was a Buddhist monk and she's meditated. she's say sixteen hours a day for years and years and years, and she came to the realization that. No matter how long she meditated, you still got to come down to earth. <laughs> you still got to like, so you're here, you're here for a purpose. And so for me, it's like this, we get into a state of peace and that that there's a surge of power. If you think about taking electrical wires and putting them to water, your body's 80% of water. So electrifying peace that we feel from within. And so to be totally honest, I think you'd have to talk to my clients to see ultimately why they want to connect with me um, and why they do this work. But I'll say it like this, majority of people, they want to build a, a muscle where they activate their superpower. So whether it's someone who's, you know, identifies as a female who wants to be able to onboard the masculine presence and do more of that, they have it in them, but they want to develop that muscle. Or if it's a man, so a male who wants to activate more of the feminine spirit inside of him. And that, you know, ultimately living fully live is when we activate both of those. And then we get to decide what's the most beneficial state to show up in. Is it that I need to be nurturing here? That's more of the feminine. Or do I need to be a little bit more assertive, perhaps? I'm not saying a woman isn't or feminine isn't assertive, but it is to to decide which state to utilize that, of course, won't just solve for your own (laughs) self-preservation. Because if you're doing that, you're just creating a storyline where where you're controlling people to your perceived outcome. And people will feel this. And when they feel it, they're going to flee because as soon as we recognize anybody's trying to control us, it's a version of slavery. And so autonomy and freedom is what we all fight for.
0: And just on that, without getting too controversial, why is it that the current generation, I guess the current generations, don't see autonomy as the golden value? Like why are we so believing of media and of political figures and of entertainment figures, why have we shied away from our own personal truth?
1: Mm-hmm. So beautiful, and perhaps it lies in the nuance. I stumbled into something a while ago. The difference between autonomy and freedom is quite radical, to be honest. I didn't know this until when this appeared, because exactly like you're saying, like we wonder why is it that there, that society does this, and it doesn't make sense. It seems so contradictory. Like we're like this. This just doesn't. These things don't check out. The definition for autonomy. It's saying, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it without any consequence. So the zero response, I don't want to be responsible for anything. I just want to do what I want to do when I want to do it without consequence. And to be honest, that's what a lot of people are currently doing. They say they're fighting for freedom, but really they're delivering autonomy. They're being autonomous people. It's like a child. The child says, I just want to do, I want to poop when I want to poop. I want to scream when I want to scream. I want to like... Yell when I want the soother and I want there to be no consequence. Okay. Like, don't, don't, re- don't reprimand me or don't not come to see me. Like, come to the crib instantly. Okay. That's autonomy. Freedom is something that is way beyond autonomy. Freedom does this freedom says there's something within me, there's a passion that's here. And I happen to know. That for me to activate this passion and bring it into the world, because it's my specific passion and unique obsession that I have, it's probably not going to be understood. It might not be understood very well. So whether it's understood or not, the point is freedom says, and I choose to be responsible for it and to it. Therefore, a lot of people say they're fighting for freedom. But in essence, freedom is way too challenging for most people because freedom demands and commands responsibility. And it may mean that people laugh at you. It may mean you get canceled out. It, may, it can mean many things, but freedom will ultimately, it bears consequence and there's reality to it. So when I think about social media, social media, I think a lot of people are being autonomous. It's like, nah, they're just screaming or you know, this or that and everything else. Which, I mean, to be honest, I think you need to get, you need to find a platform or some place to get things out. I think that's fair. You need to get your emotion out. I I was on a show a little while ago and this gentleman, his, his dad committed suicide many years ago and he himself committed suicide five years ago. And it was because he wasn't willing to get it out. So I think we need these places of venting. But I think when I think about, like you were mentioning the societal norm, I think. We've all kind of been put to sleep on the beauty of going beyond seeking relief, and so to that point, as I was mentioning earlier, I was my dad was what well, was a pastor of a megachurch and you know on a Christian setting, and I'll never forget one day we we're going for a drive and there was this beggar, and I thought my dad was going to give him money because to some people he gives money and other people he didn't. I didn't know why, and he says, "Well, if I give this person money, he's going to go drink." I remember thinking, "Yeah, but he might need to. Like, he looks pretty desperate." And that took me on a journey where, to be totally frank with you, when I now see someone who needs something, like even if I think, and I'm quite certain they might buy another hit or consume another bottle of alcohol, they got this day's look on them. I'll still part with $5 or 10, pass it along. Here's why. They're looking for what we all are looking for, which is relief. The only thing is if you stay at relief. So by the way, the bar can offer relief. A structure like church can offer relief but at some point in time so in my spiritual so i am a spiritual faith-based person but i don't attend a religious service nor do i belong to a church or anything like that sooner but later we, we must go beyond just seeking relief relief is yes please however we get satiated with just constant relief we want to take responsibility at some point in time so you know i think that that ultimately i don't know if that answers your question Sorry for that long runaround, but I think we seem to all be saying something. And what we're saying in this churning, like this is a fourth churning we're in. We're poking at the structure. And I think ultimately, I mean, society, this is what's been done over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, every hundred years this happens once, a fourth churning. So this isn't the first time we've gone through this. We're just poking at the structure because we're we're trying to hold them to a standard of being more responsible. And I think we have to be careful that we ourselves don't fall into a trance of relief. And that's what we think it looks like to be a human being. I think it's fair to say relief is fine for the moment, but we have to get to a place where it's like your icon. You have these green leaves and then you have this hand. Responsibility to looks like how will I attend to my response? How will I attend to I've been gifted the opportunity to perhaps plant something in a garden. And how, how will I? Will I support life or will I pull from life?
0: I love that. Now, James, is there something else before we wrap up that you want to leave the listeners with?
1: Mm, I think just the, uh, the nudging. When pain comes into your life, please accept it. Because if you don't, you'll likely have to go through a stage of learned helplessness. That happened for me. When pain showed up in my life, I tried to eliminate it. When I started utilizing what was there, then all of a sudden I transitioned. So I have an acronym that I created for pain. It's please accept inner nudgings. And if you accept inner nudgings, now your pain can allow you to feel and bear the pressure. And when you bear the pressure from all sides, by the way, not one side, from all sides, you press from all sides, you can bear the pressure and that pressure leads you to presence, a deep, abiding presence with yourself, where you hear the distinct notes of who you are. The noise reduces, the signal increases. And from that place of presence, you wake up to your purpose. You come home to your purpose because that's you're so present. All you can do is just become aware of who you've always been way down deep inside. And from that place of purpose erupts passion, which is where your rebirth all takes you to a brand new life.
0: Now, people can find you at www.jameshepner.com. So that's dot rcom Before we let you go, we love giving our listeners freebies. What can you offer them? And is that there on your website?
1: Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for asking. I currently have uh, two freebies. The one freebie is... We have a global, and you mentioned earlier, global weekly wins and losses virtual call. And to be frank with you, I can't think of a better way to bring new and raw truth to what your last week was really all about. This global call, it's a weekly uh, no charge call happens every Friday at noon Pacific time. And so when you jump onto the simple call, it'll deliver a profound experience for you. And of course, I'm a little biased. I created this, but honestly, I can't think of a better way for you to clear the deck of all the unhelpful stings of last week's losses. And the reason we want to do this is so that when the new week begins, you're best able to launch out of the gate, invigorated and ready to take bold, courageous action forward. And of course, actually without all the unhelpful sides of hesitation and delay. So I invite each one of you to show up and share as you wish, or simply observe others share personal win and a personal loss that stood out for them from the past week. When you come, I'm going to help you understand and show you how to master the art. And who doesn't want to be prepared for anything? Win, lose, or draw. Come and, uh, and learn authentically how to celebrate both a win and a loss in real time every time. And of course, the other free gift, and this is something that I just launched, Let's be honest, listeners. I have I have been with you. I have been with humanity, and, and I have walked uh, journeys with you. But we are now in a season of of time. Let's just say it like this: with with all of you know what's happening, you know, in the global unrest, inflation rates rising, interest rates shooting up, gas prices skyrocketing. You know, people like Tony Robbins say, "What's wrong in the world is always available, but so is what's right." And so instead of trying to hope and wish the world into a better place, it's time to make the most important decision any of us can ever make and any, any of you can ever make, and that is to invest in yourself. And so I'm offering for a limited time. And by the way, I'll say it this way, this will expire, but I'm offering for a limited time. And it will also fill up because these things do. I've offered certain things before, not quite like this, but I'm just here saying, I got to walk with you specifically, individually. I'm willing to offer a consultation and I just call it a 45 minute strategic business life consultation, no charge, no strings attached. And this is where you're going to be able to regain the reins of your life. And you're going to gain clarity and exactly why you're stuck. We're going to move you directly towards your optimal outcome. So we're not going to be able to solve the world's problems, (laughs) but we are going to be able to like laser down and and I can, and I can together, you and I, we're going to create, co-create this. We're going to be able to spot exactly where you're stuck and what you can do about it. So my clients, what they say about working with me, they say things like they have a decrease in in indecision. They have an increase in clarity, confidence, and courage. They have an increase in fully capitalizing what's directly in front of them. They also say they have, an, they have an increase in impact at work on their families and their communities, a decrease in pain and suffering, and a decrease in anxiety. And so, again, if you want to move beyond old stories, get clear on where you're headed so that you can shake your world, you can simply go to my website and you'll see a little pop-up. And uh, in that pop-up, you can just go and say, yes, i like to have that. And that will draw you to my calendar. You know, book a little time with me. And again, this will fill up. And so I encourage you there. And of course, I also have one-on-one coaching and group work. And of course, you can find all of that work Uh, for those that are passionate about wanting to learn more about me and potentially working with me one-on-one. That's also found on that website that you mentioned.
0: Fantastic. James, thank you so much for joining us. I've really, truly loved this conversation. It's been great.
1: Fantastic. It was an honor. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. And listeners, thank you so much for your time. Without you, we couldn't do this podcast. And, you know, I just urge you please go and leave us those Apple reviews, Spotify reviews, wherever you're listening to us. Give us that feedback. Jump onto our Facebook at a magical life podcast and let us know what you want to hear. Are there any burning questions that you want us to seek? coaches to help you find the answers or that you just want us to answer one-on-one let us help you let us be an extension of your knowledge farming of your idea farming let's get back to the root of it all and again go forth and create your magical life thanks for listening today Please subscribe to hear future episodes, leave a review, and share this podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at A Magical Life Podcast or at Holistic Natural Health Australia. That's holistic with a W. You can find us on Instagram at Holistic Natural Health or at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. That's where you'll access all sorts of articles, freebies and more.